I want to welcome everyone uh, that's here this morning. I want to welcome everyone that might be here online, uh, and it might not be morning for them. Who knows when when they're going to be watching. Uh, So we're glad that you're all here together today. Um, I get to finish up Jim's sermon series that was titled King Jesus, and I've enjoyed this series as we've been dealing with the kids in children's church. Uh, his first, first week, if you remember, was not a fuzzy Jesus. That was a fun one to explain to kids. Um, but the idea that Jesus is king and he's not anything else and he's not anything less. And then the second week he spoke about submitting to uh, his authority. Uh, Jim told you all that those are words that the people struggle with, submit and authority. We had to explain those words in children's church first to let them not like them. And then once they didn't like them, we could tell them why it's okay with Jesus. Uh, But that idea of growing and making disciples. And then last week, he talked about embracing his mission, uh, share Jesus with others relationally, making disciples, and letting the kids know that that doesn't mean they have to wait until they're a certain age, but that all they have to do is share what Jesus does for them. And that's not always just in words. It's in how we treat others, and it's in uh, the way we do things. So this morning, uh, for point four of the four-part series, the wrap-up, the title is Immersed, uh, Immerse Yourself in Him. And I'm going to have to get used to this. So you gotta take a look at this screen in the back back there. I'm looking at that and trying to figure out, because we, we don't have screens in children's church either, okay? So um, it's like, huh. What part am I? I'm good. I'll just look at these down here. And I'll look at, hey, this one's good because it doesn't have all that stuff on it. Don't change that back there for me. I'm just, I'll look here with you or there or over there or whatever, and we'll do great. Um, baptism. Point number one, if, if you're a note taker and you want to do this immerse yourself in him thing today, point number one is going to be immersed in him through baptism. Uh, baptism is a once and for all pledge. In Romans 6, 4, it might actually be verses 3 and 4, it says that in baptism we are buried with him and that that symbolizes that idea of, you know, Christ being buried. We go into the water, which is a whole lot easier than going into the grave. And then he's raised back up and we're raised to newness of life. An important note would be to recall that this idea of being raised to newness of life, it doesn't say raised to newness of the moment. While baptism is an amazing moment in people's lives, that's not all there is. That's the moment, but then it's a newness of life that carries on and on. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 tells us that we are baptized in or literally into the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just speak to the idea of it's in their authority that we can have a relationship and that that's the authority into which we're being baptized, but it also means being baptized into them, into a relationship with them. It's not just a moment in time that somebody gets wet but instead, it's a, the beginning of, of what's to come and this relationship with God. I, uh, I will start out this morning by being extremely uh, transparent. Uh, I will admit that we have watched 
more Hallmark movies in the last eight months than perhaps I have watched in my entire life before that time. We had a lot of dinner dates, okay? Dinner and a movie type thing at home. Uh, Hallmark movies are interesting. They're, they're fairly predictable. But if, if you know me, that's a good thing because I don't like a movie that ends in a bad way. And usually a Hallmark movie, you know, even if it's a murder mystery, ends with a kiss. So, I mean, how, how tough is this? But something I, I was reminded of throughout this litany of Hallmark movies um, is that there's this thing called a ring that people wear. And apparently, for the singles in the world, that ring is ultimately important to pay attention to. Because if you think he's cute or you think she's cute, um, you got to check for the ring. The ring is the thing that says, stay away. You know, they're, they're uh, already spoken for. Leave them alone. Uh, that's what a baptism is. It's that moment where we are committing ourselves and letting everybody know that we're committed and that it's to God and through Jesus Christ alone, we are now a part of his family. Um, I, I just, I find that interesting and so Hallmark movies, I'm always looking for the ring and waiting for the kiss. And by the way, if there's a kiss at the, uh, this is probably like a spoiler alert, I hate to do this to you, but if there's a kiss at the beginning of the movie, it's usually somebody that they're already engaged to, but they're not going to be engaged to by the end of the movie because they'll find the real person they're supposed to be with, and then they'll get a real kiss at the end. So that's always a tip-off. Kiss early in the movie, that's not the one. Okay, just saying. You didn't think I was paying attention. I really was. And here at Verde Valley Christian Church, we take the meaning of baptism very literally. Um, if, and, and most of you know this, I'm sure, but the original word baptizo uh, came out of the Greek, and it was from, from the group of people who worked and sold cloth and material, clothing and the like. And so in their world, if, if they had something that was just a, a blah sort of an off-white color, and they wanted it to have some pizzazz, they would take that cloth and they would get a vat of dye of the color they wanted, and they would you know, shove it down into the water and leave it there for a little bit and get it to change. That, was, that word is they would baptizo the cloth. They would immerse it. Uh, you know, you don't take a little bit out of there and good enough. Um, and so we, we happen to uh, use that ourselves here as a, a means of baptism. The idea is that we're going into that to be completely changed. Um, you know, rather than just describing all of this, I think it would be really great if you could see what happened, it's either three or four days ago, depending on how you reckon, because it was about 5 p.m. this last Thursday, um, I'd received a, a text a couple weeks earlier. We did some conversations. We, we talked quite a bit about what was going on. And there is a, a young mom here at our church, Ashley Kepnick. Um, and I hope I pronounced that right. But she had a, a keen desire to take that next step and identify with Christ. She wanted to be all in. And so we just have a clip that we'd like to show you from Thursday. 
since you didn't get to be there. So at this point, I would like to baptize Ashley, as it says in uh, the book of Matthew, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You ready? Buried with him and raised to walk in newness of life. Yeah, those are good times, aren't they? Those are, those are the moments that we wait for, and yet that was only a moment. But for Ashley, it wasn't just that five o'clock, um, very, very cold. Oh my goodness, it was very, very cold. I didn't have to go completely under. I've been there already. Uh, but it's, it's from that like 5.15 and forward in her life. I've, if you're needing or wanting or desiring to pray for somebody, pray for Ashley. You know, pray for her husband Chance and the children. Pray for the family that was gathered there that day. Uh, she's made a, a great stand in her life, and it's exciting to see her do that. But it's that into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and experiencing that newness of life that uh, she is now facing in all kinds of exciting ways. Could you go ahead and give us the, uh, the scripture that comes up next, please, I think? Yeah. So Matthew 28, 18 through 10, 20, uh, Jim has pretty well taken the first part of this and had fun with it the first three weeks. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And this is what we're talking about right now, this idea of baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's pretty clear. It's why we do that when we baptize somebody. It's pretty clear. Um, I will say that I was going to say Matthew 28 when I was going to baptize her, but the water was cold enough, all I could remember was Matthew. So, so let's go on. For those of you that like... Um, like points and, and our note takers again, that this will be point number two, uh, immersed in his teachings through obedience. So first we were immersed in him through baptism and now we're immersed in his teachings through obedience. Obedience isn't quite as negative a word as submission or authority and yet it requires both of those to accomplish. Um, and obedience is a word I think that sometimes gets really misunderstood uh, it, it is what we do if we follow the requests, the directives, the policies, the rules, or the commands of someone or some people who might have authority in our lives. What it's not is to be confused with what we knew, need to do to earn our salvation. Uh, it shouldn't be confused as something that's optional. Well, today maybe I'll obey a little bit because, you know, yesterday I kind of did my own thing. It's not an option. Um, it has a real place in our lives and in our decision-making. And so this obedience idea is crucial. Um, can we look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 together? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, 
This idea of obedience is wrapped up in all of this. It's not about us trying to go out and earn something. I think I'll do this so God will love me. He's already said that that's not enough. It'll never be enough. But I've already done everything necessary for you to have that relationship with me. So just obey. You know, receive me. And then, then he's got, in advance, he's prepared for us these good works. And those aren't what we do to, to gain salvation. They're what we do because we have a relationship with God through salvation. And, and he has his plan for us. If he's got the plan, then I either do my own plan or I do his plan. There, there's no in-between. And if it's his plan and I do it, then I'm obeying. But if it's my plan and I do it, it's disobeying. That was something I never wanted to get caught at growing up. Disobeying had consequences. Hey, in life, does disobeying have consequences? Oh, yeah. <sighs> There's an old song that kept it really simple. The whole title of the song was Trust and Obey. Pretty simple. Not easy, but pretty simple. I'd like to give you an example of this idea of obedience. Um, for most of history, since the New Testament has been written, forgiveness is something that people have understood is what God wants them to do. It's what Christians and Christ followers are supposed to do. Um, it's pretty clear, but it doesn't mean we necessarily understand all the dynamics of forgiveness. It's just something we're told to do. It's part of the plan, and it's part of what we are to do to obey. Uh, it tells us that we're to forgive as we have been forgiven. Well, gee, that would be for everything. I'm supposed to forgive for everything? Yeah, just like we've been forgiven for everything. But the fullness of forgiveness wasn't completely, and probably still isn't, but has only been recently understood a little more. Uh, we know that we're supposed to forgive. They've known that since, you know, since the New Testament has been written. Got to forgive, got to forgive. That's, that's something that we're supposed to do. But the why we forgive has often been lost, not fully understood. Interestingly, though, um, modern psychology has begun to unravel some of the why God tells us to forgive, it appears that, lo and behold, the creator of the universe knows that if we forgive, some remarkable things happen. There are benefits in our lives if we're willing to forgive. Let me just give you the short list. You ready? If you're a person who is willing to forgive and actually does forgive, you'll have healthier relationships. You'll have improved mental health. Less anxiety, stress, and hostility. Lower blood pressure. Fewer symptoms of depression. A stronger immune system. Improved heart health. And improved self-esteem. So if it's something that we're commanded to do, and in obedience, we should be willing to forgive. Why is it that so many Christians refuse to do that? But instead, 
they live a life where they're hanging on to the past, to, to what people have done to them, to what people have said to them, to, in some cases, horrible situations that have occurred in their lives. And, and yet, interestingly, usually, the person that's suffering from this unforgiveness is not the person that needs to be forgiven. It's the person that needs to do the forgiving. Forgiving benefits us as well as the person that receives that. I, I just find it really, really interesting that this is something that we're, we're commanded to do, and yet, I don't know about you, but on my own, it doesn't happen. I can't do it on my own. Most of the commands Jesus gives us, we can't do on our own. But he doesn't expect us to, which is why he's given us the Holy Spirit, so that we can rely on him for his strength and accomplish what it is he's expecting of us. So let's get back to this. That was the the little example there. Let's get back to the idea of obedience. I think this year of 2020 could best be summed up by any one of a number of phrases that people seem to be tossing around now. But the one I I hear the most and that I kind of (laughs) think is fun, I'm so done with this. (laughs) And, you know, maybe you haven't said those words. Maybe you've said something similar. Um, But isn't it crazy that we would even say that? Because think about it for a second. When, When in history has your personal feelings your comfort or your convenience somehow caused the world to unfold in a different way. I mean, really. Maybe your own world might, but the world in general, which is kind of where it's at right now, is the world in general, this idea that I'm so done with this doesn't change anything. Maybe it makes us feel a little better at the moment. Um, You know, somehow it's just going to, I'm so done with this. Oh, there, it's gone. Hey, how about that? And so is the flu, and so is, you know, death and all kinds of horrible things. It just doesn't happen that way. As a matter of fact, it's not the removal of trials and tribulations that God calls us to. Instead, it's being trustingly obedient to him through the trials and tribulations, and that he promises that in that setting, we will become more like his son, Jesus, and that we can be the light of love, we can be the hope in a dark, dark world. Uh, In this COVID season, in particular, and I got it, sorry, I'm going to read some of this, really read, read. In this COVID season of history with its medical and political difficulties, mixed with very challenging weather patterns and natural disasters like our heat and drought, floods and fires, hurricanes and tornadoes, mixed with civil unrest and racial tensions soaring, mixed with an election year where everything from local to national topics are at a boiling point, obedience to God is what will bring about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but I can hear the kids singing that right now because they've got a fun little song to remember those. Obedience to God will allow us to experience this newness of life that he desires for each of us. 
And if you're writing anything down, it'll be point number three now, immersed in his presence. Gotta love this because, you know, obedience is one of those things where it's like, oh, you gotta, gotta do something, state of mind. I've gotta allow myself to, to and, and I've gotta ask God to help, help me with this. But are you ready for this next part? You don't have to ask anything. There's no struggle with this next part. Let's give him, let's give him that verse again. And I want you to look at the, I am with you always. How cool is that? Thank you. I agree. It's nothing that we need to do. There's nothing we need to ask There's no additional strength we need to rely on. He just says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That uh, be sure of this is translated in a number of different translations, a number of different ways. Sometimes it's surely, or look, or behold. Behold, I am with you always. Um, But when we're tempted as followers of Jesus to say things like, I just don't feel like Jesus is even here with me right now. I'm so done with this. Remember, some words are pretty clear without much digging. Uh, this word right, right here, this always. Um, I know that we're not supposed to define a word with the word itself, but you want to take a shot at what the word always means? Thank you. Yeah, let's just go with always. Just always. I mean, I don't even have to explain that to four and five-year-olds. Okay, they, they get always. Always is like how long you're gone when, when you're not home with them. You're gone always. And no, you come back. For Jesus, this always means... That's pretty good. Always means what? That's better. Right now. Does that include right now? How about like later today? Because always means... Very good. Now, see, you're getting more comfortable with that. You didn't have to do anything for him to be there with you always except to say, I'm yours. I, I want what you have. I, I need my sin forgiven. So... When we're thinking in a given day, and and I will admit it doesn't seem quite this clear in our heads at the moment, but it boils down to this. It's like like a Macbeth moment, only different. (laughs) To obey or not to obey? That is the question. Um, See, I can't use that with kids because... um, We usually aren't thinking in those terms, are we? It's like, well, should I do this? Well, I, I can do that. And we've got ourselves all kinds of rationalizations as to why it's okay to do whatever it is we know we really shouldn't be doing, but, but we go there anyway. Um, or we just don't think about it at all. We've, we've allowed that to, you know, try to just not even raise its head. If, if we have those moments where the decision is, am I going to obey Christ or am I not going to obey Christ? When is he with you? Even then. Even then he's with you, ready, ready with the strength of heaven, with the power of an infinite God who, who wants us to succeed. 
He wants us to understand the joy of the life that he has planned for us. John 15, 5 reminds us that apart from me, you can do nothing. It's sort of humbling, but it's pretty clear. The good news is, though, in Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So trying to do anything that Jesus has commanded us to do would be impossible on our own. But because he is with us always, we have only to ask for his strength. Uh, Some of you who have been here before know that often down at the end of the hallway, there's a Volkswagen bus. It's not there right now because we're changing things up a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it'll be back. That Volkswagen bus gets people's attention, and it's why we used it. Besides, it was free, and he wanted it in out of the rain, and it's like, this is a win-win all the way around. And, you know, Tanny paints it up, all kinds of different things for different seasons, and uh, the whole point is that it draws attention. I, I can't tell you how many dads and grown men have walked down to the children's hall area to look at the Volkswagen bus. First thing they do is they look inside. Usually the second or third thing they do is ask me this question. Does it run? And then I usually get this smile on my face and say, it doesn't even have a motor. (laughs) No, but it does push. We can push it, okay? We can get it from place to place by pushing. Um, I don't want to be a Volkswagen bus Christian. I don't want to have, looks good on the outside. Well, okay, looks fair and passing on the outside. And, And nothing in there, no power. The power is available for me, but if I'm, if I'm not taking advantage of what God offers through the person of the Holy Spirit living in my life, then I'm no better than the Volkswagen bus without a motor. It's just, just for show. So here we are with these Matthew verses. You realize that this is God's number one plan for my life? It's right out there for all of you to see. This is what God wants in my life. Good news for me is, it's what God wants for your life too. And whether you're here in this room with me right now or you're online and you're watching this at whatever time you're watching it, this is the plan that God has for us. It's a great plan. Uh, He's not a fuzzy Jesus. He's king. Nothing less and nothing else. We're to submit to his authority with Jesus in charge as our king. Our lives are, to, are meant to grow and to make disciples. We're to embrace his mission. We're to share Jesus with others, relationally make disciples. And then today, he's a king that we are to be immersed in. And we do that by obeying. There is no better plan anywhere. I think it would be really interesting if, and you're going to see how warped my imagination is here, but if a best-selling author wrote a self-help book and then promised that if you needed help accomplishing the goals in that book, 
that they'd come and live with you for the rest of your life if necessary so that you'd get it right. And you've already made the analogy, right? God does have a book. It's an amazing book. But more than just a book, he's got a life. And if we're willing to obey what he asks us to do, what he commands us to do, he promises to live with us for the rest of our lives and give us everything that we need to accomplish his plan. Jesus promises that if we accept him, commit ourselves to him as our king, he will be with us. Good, you were there. Nice. I just had to give you a little cue, right? And we know what always means, right? Always means? Okay. So if we're baptized into newness of life, let's obey King Jesus and with his guidance, live like it always. And if a relationship with Jesus is what you need today, if you haven't taken that step in your life, ask him to be king of your life right now. No, right now. Because if it's right now, then always starts right now. Or if not, wait until after we're dismissed, and I'd love to talk to you about that. There are a number of people here who would love to talk to you about that. It's such a great thing. It's such a great plan. It's such a great life. And he's with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your great plan for our lives. And we thank you for your great power that you make available to us. Father, would you help us to be the people today who look like Jesus and sound like Jesus, forgive like Jesus. God, we, we so appreciate that you are with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.